Welcome to the Sanctified Life Podcast. Welcome again that we have this great privilege to share with you from God's Word great truths to bring about the transformation of character. The Bible tells us, as we always quote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, that grace and peace are to be multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so the more we grow in the knowledge of God, the more we would grow in grace and peace. And so it is our duty, we are sharing from the Word of God, this knowledge to bring about the transformation of character christ clearly says in john 17 verse 17 sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth so as we study god's word more and we obey what it says we would be sanctified and the bible tells us in first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent that's god's desire for us we are Minor Lifestyle Ministry, a ministry of compassion dedicated to the restoration of the human soul. And we are your host. I am Fawi Miolua Tobi. And I am Ajibola Ugundari. In the last podcast, we discussed the sinner's need of Christ. We found out how man, before he sinned, he enjoyed perfect, joyful communion with God. But then after sin, he separated himself from God and could no longer enjoy that communion. He became selfish and full of evil unclean and so so depraved that he could not be in the presence of one in whom is all knowledge one in whom is all wisdom perfect and all light man would be destroyed by the presence of god and so we found out that man is unclean and that's clearly written in the book of isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 and that job 14 verse 4 tells us that who can bring the clean thing out of an unclean not one so that tells that man is greatly in need of help Every one of us is in need of help. You are in need of help. I'm in need of help. My brother is in need of help. Everyone. And so Christ is that one who is to bring about this transformation. He is that power. He is the one to purify the spring of life, to purify and cleanse the heart. So Christ is the one. And so we, we, we also found that Christ is the ladder that connects heaven with earth and earth with heaven. So Christ is the one through whom we have access now to heaven and to God. And so today we shall be discussing repentance. What does it mean to repent? Many people are asking the question, how shall a man be just with God? How shall the sinner be made righteous? And it is only through Christ we have emphasized that we can be brought into harmony with God, with holiness. But how are we to come to Christ, you may be asking. And this is the same question that the people uh, during the time of Pentecost, they asked, they asked in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, what shall we do? And Peter clearly answered them, repent. And in another instance, in, instance in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter said, repent and be converted and that your sins may be blotted out. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. So this begs the question, what does repentance mean? Repentance simply means sorrow for sin and turning away from it. To hate sin and to run away from it. We shall not renounce sin. We shall not reject sin unless we see its sinfulness. Until we turn away from it in heart, there will be no real change in the life. Well, from what you said now, that means we could then infer that there is false repentance. Yes, there is false repentance. There are many who fail to understand the true meaning of repentance, the true nature of repentance. Many sorrow that they have sinned and it will make an outward reformation because they fear that their wrongdoing will bring suffering upon themselves. So 
they sorrow for sin, but they, they, they don't have the real change. There's no real change in their heart. They just sorrow for the sin, but, but there is not that conviction of sin. There's not that change. There's no there's there's not that power that is working within to 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 make them hate sin. So but as as we have said that they sin and even make an outward reformation, this is not repentance in the Bible sense. They lament, and, and, and that's because they fear that the wrongdoing will bring suffering upon yes, themselves. So that yes. that that isn't repentance in the Bible sense. Okay. Yes. yes. So they lament the suffering rather than the sin. They lament the suffering mm. rather than the sin. Oh, okay. So are there examples, any examples in the Bible of people who exhibited this false repentance? Yes, there are examples. But Judas Iscariot is, 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 a, is an example that we can look into. Judas Iscariot, after betraying his Lord, exclaimed, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent God. And that, that's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 4. So we see here, in this case, Judas exclaimed that he has sinned, but, but he, does, he, does, he, does not, he does not sorrow for sin and turn away from it. The confession was forced from his guilty soul. He, he, had, to, he had to confess because he has seen the result of what he has done. So there's, there was no real change. And the confession was forced from his guilty soul by an awful sense of condemnation and a fearful looking fall of judgment. The consequences that were to resort to him filled him with terror, but there was no deep, heartbreaking grief in his soul that he had betrayed the spotless Son of God and denied the Holy One of Israel. So, looking at this type of repentance, it reminds me also of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Exodus from chapter 4, we see the story of how um, the people of Israel, the Lord sends Moses to deliver the people of Israel from the hand of Egypt and from chapter 10 we begin to see the falling of the plagues and Pharaoh when suffering under the judgments of God he would acknowledge his sin in order to escape further in further punishment but afterwards after the, the punishment is is eased he would return to his defiance of heaven as soon as the plagues were stayed as soon as the plagues were put off so these all these examples these two examples we've looked at all of them lamented the results of sin but did not sorrow for the sin itself they did not sorrow for the sin itself so we see that problem um, uh, bringing up itself again and so we, we we see that when the heart does yield to the influence of the spirit of god the conscience will be quickened and the sinner would discern something of the depth and sacredness of God's holy law. So mm. the key now is for us to yield to the influence of the Spirit of God mm. because the Spirit of God is constantly working in our hearts. So you have to yield to, to the influence of the Spirit of God. And as we'll continue, we'll be buttressing this more and more, how the Holy Spirit works, the signs to show that the Holy Spirit is moving upon your heart. The Bible reveals in John chapter 1, verse 9, that the light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world it reveals to us that it illumines the secret chambers of the soul and the hidden things of darkness are made manifest. So the Holy Spirit is walking upon the heart. And if the heart would yield, if you would yield to the Lord, conviction would take hold upon the mind and heart. And then you will begin to sense of the righteousness of Jehovah and feel the terror of appearing in your own guilt and uncleanness before the statue of hearts. Then you would understand the love of God, the beauty of holiness, the joy of purity. You would long to be cleansed and to be restored to communion with heaven. And so 
or that's the contrast to 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 force repentance as we have seen then it even brings to mind again is there is there any example in the bible of true repentance yes we have lots of example and, and looking at david the prayer of david after his fall illustrates the nature of true true sorrow for sin after uh, in, in second samuel chapters 11 and 12 when 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 david committed um, adultery and, and and murder he 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 saw the he sold for sin and he he, he 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 longs to turn away from it which he did in the prayer his repentance was what sincere and deep there was no effort to palliate his guilt no desire to escape the judgment threatened inspired his prayer david saw the enormity of his transgression he saw the the sinfulness of sin he saw the defilement of his soul he saw how filthy how disgustingly dirty his soul is he, he loathed his sin it was it was not it was not for pardon only that he prayed but he longed for purity of heart he longed for the joy of holiness to be restored to harmony and communion with god this was the language of his soul in psalms chapter 51 verses 1 to 3 have mercy upon me O god according to thy loving kindness according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me truly for my iniquity and cleanse me for my sin for i acknowledge looking at it verse in, in in verse three he acknowledges his transgressions and, and, and my sin is ever before me against thee thee only have i sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest wow so we see such such deep such such deep sorrow for sin he he realized the person he had hurt he had hurt god and that's the person he really had caused pain above all because sin continually brings grief to god verses 7 9 and 10 10 and 11 also show us furthermore how he felt this depth of anguish in his soul and desire to turn away from sin and even turned away from sin from this these grievous sins that he had committed verse 7 says purge me with isop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow so he longed for this purity of heart as my brother has shared he longed for this holiness again this purity of, of soul he prayed for it says in verse 9 that hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me cast me not from thy presence and take not thy holy spirit from me and verse 14 says deliver me from blood guiltiness he clearly knew what he had done he had committed the murder of another man of a man so deliver me from blood guiltiness O god thou god of my salvation he realized this he knew that he had erred against god so what do you think about what do you think about such repentance what do you think about such repentance a repentance such as this is beyond the reach of our own power to accomplish it is obtained only from christ that power is christ christ walking within the soul 
who has ascended up on high and has given gifts unto men. Wonderful. So Christ now, he is the one that has given gifts unto men. And as we would find, we would find that repentance is a gift actually from Christ as we go on. So repentance does come from Christ. And this is a point on which many people uh, many people may make mistake and hence they fail of receiving the help that Christ desires to give them. Many think that they cannot come to Christ unless they first repent. Uh, there are many instances. I, I've met people before who, who say that I want to clean myself up before I can come to the Lord. But that's not right. Let's go on. And, and they think that repentance re prepares um, for the forgiveness of sins. It's true that repentance does precede the forgiveness of sins. For it is only the broken and contrite heart that will feel the need of a Savior. But, but must the sinner wait till he has repented before he can come to Jesus? Is repentance to be made an obstacle between the sinner and the Savior? What, what do you think? The Bible does not teach that the sinner must repent before he can heed the invitation of Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is the virtue that goes forth from Christ that leads to genuine repentance. It is Christ that leads us to repent as, as the light shines into our soul. Peter made the matter clear in his statement to the Israelites when he said, Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts chapter 5 verse 31. He says, there is a quote here, Whom Christ pardons, he first makes penitent, penitent sorrow for sin. So whom Christ pardons, he first makes penitent. And it is the office of the Holy Spirit to convince of sin. And so it, it, it is Christ that would, that, that, would, that would make it possible for us to, what, to, be, to, to be convinced of sin. So we can no more repent without the Spirit of Christ to awaken the conscience than we can be pardoned without Christ. So from what you're saying now, according to Acts chapter 5, verse 31, it reveals that Christ gives repentance to Israel. Yes. And after he gives repentance, it reveals that Christ gives forgiveness of sins. Yes. That's very interesting. I like that quotation where it says that when Christ pardons, he, will, he first makes penitent. And it is the office of the Holy Spirit to bring this about. Christ works through the Holy Spirit, bringing about this transformation of character. So this brings to mind that Christ is the source of every right impulse. We concluded in the last podcast that man is fallen, man is unclean, and man, nothing, there is nothing good in man. The book of Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 33 asks the question, can a leopard change his spots? Can an Ethiopian change his skin? Then he asks the question, how can you whom are accustomed to doing evil do good it's not possible so we as human beings are fallen so christ is the source of every right impulse the fact that you feel like you need to do what is right it is the spirit of god working upon your heart christ is the only one that can implant in the heart enmity against sin it's only through christ so you probably are bothered how will i stop sinning and you realize your depravity how unclean you are christ is the only one christ is the only one that can implant in the heart enmity hatred against sin Every desire for truth and every desire for purity, every conviction of your own sinfulness or my sinfulness is an evidence that Christ's spirit is moving upon your heart. 
It's an evidence that Christ's spirit is moving upon my heart. So when we begin to see these signs, then we begin to sense that, wow, there is a transformation going on. So would you yield to the influence of the Holy Ghost? Allow him, allow him, and then you would experience true repentance. So um, there is a statement in John 12, verse 32. What's it about? Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, would draw all men unto me. Christ must be revealed to the sinner as the Savior dying for the sins of the world. Christ has died for, for us that we may obtain life. Looking at the experience of what Christ went through, what, what he had to do, being made lower than the angels. Imagine in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, it says all things were created by him. All things, invisible, visible, whether they be thrones, powers, dominions, principalities, all things were created by him and for him. Imagine the Savior, the creator of the whole world, coming to the, to the world that is filled of sin and, 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 and woe, coming to save men from their, from their dirt. And looking at the experience, he was mocked, was spat upon, he was rejected. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It was rejected. Life was rejected from men. Uh, in dying for sinners, Christ manifested a love. That's, that's the point. God's love for man. Christ manifested a love that is incomprehensible. It cannot be explained. And as the sinner beholds this love, it softens the heart, impresses the mind, and inspires contrition in the soul. So behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. <clears throat> behold the Lamb of God, Christ taking upon himself our penalty. This, this is something solemn to think of, that Christ died the death that we deserved. He took our place, mangled upon the cross, spat upon, bitten, pierced in the side. Oh my, insulted, scoffed, insulted, treated as nonsense had no place to keep his mother but committed his mother to john insulted people mocked at him that if you be the son of god come down and save yourself you've saved all the people why can't you save yourself christ suffered all of this con all of this shame because of you and me and thinking about it as we be continue to behold this as my brother has shared begin to see of the depth of god's love and then we long and if we yield to the power of god if we yield to this drawing from christ as he has said if i be lifted up i would draw all men to myself then we would begin to experience true repentance mm. it is true that men sometimes may, may become ashamed of their sinful ways and Men become ashamed of their sinful ways and give up some of their evil habits before they are conscious that they are being drawn to Christ. There are many people like that. Could it be you? But whenever they make an effort to reform, when such people make an effort to reform from a sincere desire to do right, let me tell you, it is the power of Christ that is drawing them. It is Christ. They may not understand, but it's actually Christ walking on them. An influence of which they are, they, they, they are unconscious walks upon the soul and the conscience is quickened and the outward life is amended. And as Christ draws such people to look upon his cross, to behold him whom their sins have pierced, the commandment comes home to the conscience. Many people begin to feel like, wow, there's this, first of all, this transformation. They feel this hatred for sin. They feel this hatred of evil. And they may not understand that they are being drawn to Christ, but that's actually what is happening. 
and as Christ draws, uh, as as they as they see the wickedness of their life, the deep-seated sin of the soul, it, it makes them tremble and to fall before Christ and long for His help. Such people begin to comprehend something of the righteousness of Christ, and they can exclaim, saying something like, "What is sin that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of its victim?" All this love manifested. All this suffering, all this humiliation demanded that we might not perish but have everlasting life. As we contemplate the plan of salvation, it brings to mind this depth of love and brings us to our knees. Mm. It brings us to our knees. Yes. The sinner may resist this love, this, this genuine love from Christ. The sinner may refuse to be drawn to Christ. But if he does not resist, he will be, he will be drawn to Jesus. If he does not resist the light of the world, if he does not resist life, yeah. a knowledge of the plan of salvation will lead him to the foot of the cross, to learn at the feet of Christ, for Christ to transform the soul. A knowledge of the plan of salvation will lead a sinner to the foot of the cross in repentance for his sins, which have caused the sufferings of God's dear son. Well, so <clears throat> this same divine mind that is working upon the things of nature, Christ, uh, God walking all around, it, he's still speaking to the hearts of men and creating an inexpressible craving for something. Creating, creating an inexpressible craving for something that they do not have. And the things of this world can never, ever satisfy the longings of the human heart. Only Christ, the grace of Christ, the joy of holiness can fill that void. Through influences that we see and do not see, Christ, our Savior, is constantly seeking, he's constantly at work to attract us from the things of this world to himself because he knows that that's the only way we can find peace of mind. And that's why he tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, a very famous text, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, Christ clearly speaks to every one of us, speaks to our senses. He says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls to all who are longing for help who realize that destitution christ is speaking to you christ is calling you to stop drinking from the broken systems of this world and he is calling you to himself he is speaking the divine message as he speaks it for speaks it in revelation chapter 22 verse 17 he says let him that is a thirst come do you realize your need? Come, Christ says, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Christ is that living water that we all need. Come unto me, he says. And he tells us clearly that he that comes to him, he shall in no wise cast out. That's in John chapter 6, verse 37. And it is our prayer that all these words that have been shared, you will take our time to ponder upon them and be conformed to them. Remember, grace and peace are to be multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now to our health talk. As we share in each podcast that we would share with you health tips to help you enjoy that optimal health. For it is God's desire that you may be in health even as your soul prospers. 
The question is, have you taken a deep breath lately? Have you? Do you know you can live for weeks without food, days without water, but only minutes without oxygen? Right now, what you could do is take a deep breath and exhale. Let's now look at some quick facts. The first need of the human cell is oxygen. Oxygen makes up 21% of air. It's essential for conversion of food into energy. Every function of the human body is dependent upon oxygen. Every cell of the body requires constant supply of oxygen brought to it by the blood. Oxygen has been shown to destroy a wide variety of bacteria. And so there is a great necessity for us to breathe in fresh air. Negatively charged air is the best air for your health. This kind of air is refreshing and will give you a great lift. And it is plentiful around lakes, in forests, near rivers and waterfalls, at seashore, and after rainstorms. Here are some points you need to take note of. Ensure cross-ventilation by opening your windows. Do not shut the windows even if the weather is cold. Ensure the windows are opened. Ban smoking indoors where you walk and where you live. Secondhand smoking is deadly too. Regular exercise outdoors is the best. Walking where there are trees, gardening are the best options. All of these two points, walking and gardening, are the best options for you to enjoy uh, this fresh, invigorating air. Spending time outdoors is beneficial because of the plants. There is an exchange. We exhale carbon dioxide and they give us oxygen. And so have those plants around. You could even practice planting indoor plants to help you with having and enjoying this fresh air sleep ensure you sleep with windows open these are some practical ways to ensure proper ventilation spend more time outdoors cultivate proper breathing habits how do you know that you have cultivated or that you are cultivating proper breathing habits here are some questions to consider to tell if you are having enough air how are you sitting right now is your spine straight or are you slowing are the clothes you're, you're putting on right now or where you're seated, are they restricting your breathing? Is the room you are in currently well ventilated or stuffy? Have you had some form of exercise today? If you have not, please ensure you, and you, 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 you go out for exercise that you may have that fresh invigorating air. More so, how do you breathe? How do you practice deep breathing exercises? What you could do is stand up right now, stand up, place one of your hands on top of your abdomen and the other hand on top of the ab abdomen and take in a deep breath and hold for the count, hold for about 20 seconds and then exhale gradually. Do this about 10 times and ensure that your abdomen is what rises up and also your chest expanding. So I repeat it again, you put one hand on your abdomen and then the other on top of it and taking a deep breath ensure that the abdomen is rising as well as the chest expanding not the chest lifting up but expanding and so you breathe in deeply and exhale gradually do this about 10 times and you would notice a difference because even deep breathing exercises help to lift up the mood Remember, you can live for weeks without food, days without water, but only minutes without oxygen. So ensure that you take that deep breath and ensure you take deep breaths all through the day. Ensure that the windows are opened for cross ventilation and ensure 
that your room is thoroughly clean so these tips we hope you would find helpful as you daily practice them we hope that they have been a blessing to you you can also check out our website for, for more information manalifestylehome.com slash blog that is manalifestylehome.com slash blog mana that's m-a-n-n-a lifestylehome.com slash blog for more information you could also call plus two three four seven zero five zero seven one one three two two plus two three four seven zero five zero seven one one three two two plus two three four seven zero five zero seven one one three two two and it is our prayer as it is in first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 that the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be, pre be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ until next time we're looking forward to the next episode god bless you